Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files. Forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for this evening, Mimi. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Mimi. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, Mimi. Um, wow. So, um, when I first started coming to OA, I would come to these light a candle things and just think, wow, this is where, like, the big, the big shots speak. And I just, <laughs> when I was asked, I was like, I don't think I qualify for this. Um, and, um, and I guess somebody thought I qualified for it, so here I am. I'm super grateful to be here. I've been in OA since 2010, and um, I'm just going to share with you guys my experience, strength, and hope, and I'll start with what it was like. Um, so um, I identify as compulsive overeater and bulimic, so um, hardcore bulimic. Um, I wish I had some restrictor in me. I've tried, and that doesn't work for me, but just compulsive overeater bulimic. Um, I, in thinking about things like from long ago as a child, like I don't think, I, I don't know, some people are like, I was a compulsive overeater as a little kid. I was just like a normal kid in a really weird home. And our food was weird, our family was weird, um, and we did weird things with food, like you had to eat everything that you ate. And I think the only reason that that might have contributed to my difficulties with food is because when I was able to be free or get away from eating the food that we had to eat, I, um, I ate whatever I wanted. Um, but I didn't think that was abnormal. I would just eat, you know, as you know, when kids are set free, you know, they eat candy, cupcakes, stuff like that. So I would do stuff like that. Never really thought much of it. I was an athlete in um, high school, and I remember one day, um, the first time I ever purged, I would hear about this purging thing, and I'm like, that's so weird. Like, why do people do that? How do people do that? And then one day, I, um, I was eating, I'm vegan now, but I was eating a Big Mac, And then I was like, I want another Big Mac. So I went and got another Big Mac, and I was with my girlfriend. We were like, let's keep eating. We just kept eating. And I was like, I'm going to explode. I didn't know what to do. So I was like, let me try that throw-up thing. So I'm, like, trying to throw up. And this is hard. It wouldn't work for me. And um, so I I was like, I had to get rid of it. I felt like I had too much. So um, I tried something that is not available now. Um, But there's this stuff for those of you who are older, it's called syrup of Ipecac. And so um, when um, children eat toxic substances, their parents would keep this in the house. Can you guys hear me okay? Their parents would keep this in the house, okay? And most of you or all of you have probably not tried it, but it tastes like syrup. So I took it, and I'm reading the package, and it said, you know, take this syrup. This is because I had a couple of Big Macs, right? So I took this syrup and it says, drink some water. So I drank some water. And then all of a sudden, I had, like, the worst, most violent vomiting ever. 
I was like slamming against the bathtub throwing up, like my body was convulsing. So we called the poison hotline because I wanted to know when this would stop. And they're like, when everything comes out of your system, right? And they're like, well, what did you take it for? And I was like, oh, you know, there, I don't even know what I said. I'd be making it up. But, you know, so, right, this was like the worst freaking day of my life. And there was like Kool-Aid or something in there. So there's like red all over the tub. My dad came home from work. Had no idea what the F was going on, right? And... You know, his daughter's over here trying to kill herself. Well, I don't know if you guys remember Karen Carpenter, but, um, you know, she died of, she she had tried this stuff. And um, so what it is, is it's a toxin, right? That's why it makes you throw up. And, and it's toxic to your heart. So why would they get rid of this? Because young kids were starting to do what I did. And it is just, to this day, I can't even smell syrup, right? People were drinking Southern Comfort in college, and I was like, no, because that smells like syrup, for those of you who don't know. Um, and so I, I was just like, this is the worst experience ever, right? So guess what I did a week later? I did it again. I was like, let me go and eat a bunch of food. And I bought this stuff, and I did this violent throw-up. And then after that, I never did it again because the pharmacy was regulating. You couldn't just go buy it because people were doing this. And I don't even know if they use it anymore. I've never heard of it. So that's how it started. Like, I just didn't care. If I wanted to get rid of something, I would, and I wasn't a good throw-upper. So I don't think I did it again. I went to college. I was on a sports team, um, and I didn't really worry about my weight, but I really liked to eat. And if I was going to eat a lot, like, I didn't want to gain weight, but I needed to get rid of it. So I started to learn how to throw up, still never good at it. Um, But I was, you know, I'd practice it. Um, And I remember one time my boyfriend was like, why does your neck smell like vomit? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and just, you know, thinking back to this kind of stuff, like, I just didn't care. I would do anything just to, you know, kind of be able to get rid of my food. But... Still, it wasn't something that I would do every day, just every now and then. Like, um, sometimes I would go to the cafeteria. You know, in college, they'd have those uh, ice cream machines. And I'd, like, refill it and refill it. And people were like, oh, my God, she can eat so much. Um, And then, like, I'd go get rid of it and come back. And they'd be like, how can you eat so much? And you're so skinny. I'm like, I don't know. Um, (laughs) And I still wasn't really good at it. I wasn't thin, but I was, like, normal size. And then then after a while, I, I, I gained weight. But I was still not really overweight, maybe, like, 10 pounds. And then... um, I was so out of control, I couldn't go to class. Like, I would do this as many times a day as I could, and I just, I couldn't go to class, I couldn't function. I ended up leaving college for a few months and went home, was telling people in my family that I had an eating disorder. And, you know, back then, what was this, probably the 90s, people were just like, just eat less, don't eat that, you know, just... It just people didn't really understand. I don't remember the internet, so I didn't really know what to do. I, as a bulimic, I wasn't thin, and um, I'm thinner now than I was in college, so I didn't really know what to do. I tried to get help, um, but there didn't seem to be help. Insurance would cover, like, day treatment where I'd go, 
and I'd put like butter on bread and they'd watch you eat it and then I'd go home and I'd binge and purge and then I'd go back the next day and make a leather bracelet and talk about my feelings and you know with, and I'd put my name I still have it I put my name on it and I spelled it with like an extra letter because I wanted to be different it was just like it wasn't helpful and um, and then I went back to college and I just got good at it you guys I could like binge and purge and go to class and I would do this like five, six times a day. I mean, I, I, I don't know where I got this money because we weren't rich, but I had a scholarship. And people still didn't notice. I had a couple boyfriends who were like, I know what you do. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not talking about it. Like, no one was ever like, this really concerns me. Or So I just, you know, I continue to do this. I, I can't even remember, and I share about this in meetings a lot, my life is a blur. So sometimes I hear someone say something like, oh, I did that too. But, like, I don't remember things. I don't remember my friends. I don't remember why people hate me. Like, I know they have good reason, um, but I, I just don't remember. If, For example, if I had friends or I had planned to go to someone's birthday party, someone's birthday dinner, a big deal. If I had binged during the day, I'm not showing up. Um, if, if I, I, just any reason, and it was usually my binging and purging, I just wouldn't show up. And in my mind, I was, um, I was like, they have no idea what I'm going through. They have, you know, um, I was, I was very much a victim. I would just think, um, you know, they can go out and have this birthday party and eat, but I'm over here, like, suffering. Um, and I make it sound like it was... It was nice. Um, it was not nice. It was, I was severely depressed. I was suicidal. I did not want to live. I wanted to live a normal life. I had no idea how. I wanted to eat the food I wanted to eat, um, and I wanted to be able to stop. Um, but I was happy when I was eating. Um, and I wasn't super happy when I wasn't eating. So I would describe my life as hell. Um, and I was exercising. Um, so binging and purging, exercising, going to class, and not really much else. Um, I would do a little sprinklings of things in between, but I would, I would not show up for a lot. Um, and I, I won't talk about my family, but I come from a dysfunctional family, and I go to other programs for that. I can't blame my family for, you know, why I had this, but had I not had this, I probably wouldn't have survived. I've learned that here, that this for me was a survival mechanism, because if I lived with the person that, um, and lived with the feelings that I had, I probably would not have survived. So, um what my binging and purging looked like is different than what I've heard a lot of people share about. I, I know some people can eat and then just vomit. I couldn't. I never got good at it. So I had calluses all over my fingers. I would wear Band-Aids. I had tooth marks all over my hands. I would buy boxes and boxes of Band-Aids at the drugstore every week. And I knew, like, Next Care was the kind I really liked. They had, like, this padded thing on it so I could throw up with that. I got to use silverware um, and shove that down my throat. I'd have cuts in my throat. Um, I would use a toothbrush. I would do this anywhere. I would have 
like toilet water from other people's, you know, from public bathrooms splashing in my face. As a boyfriend said, vomit on my neck. Um, like I was not living a, a super dignified life doing this. Um, and I would, I couldn't even, if I would go to the grocery store knowing that I was binging, I would, I would start in the grocery store, binge my way through the grocery store, um, binge my way in the car. And in the car driving home, I was drunk. I was like drunk. I had no idea what was going on. I was like on a sugar high, right? Um, I, I could have gotten in a car accident because all I was thinking about was like what my hand is in. Um, I could eat ice cream with my fingers. I needed no silverware for anything. And I catch myself now, like sometimes when I have a bowl, I'm like licking it out. And I'm like, oh, I'm in public. And um, <laughs> and sometimes I have a friend at work that he's just like, are you really licking that out? And I'm like, yeah. So um, I'm still... Sometimes I, I'm still, like, learning to use silverware, and I share about that in meetings. But um, So I would do this, like, five or six times a day, and then I'd chew on baking soda so that I wouldn't screw up my teeth because my teeth are important, but I didn't care about the rest of my body. Um, it was just pure insanity. If I had a roommate or I was at someone's house or I was babysitting, I'm going to eat your food. But I didn't eat your food. Like, someone's like, where's my ice cream? I'd be like, I don't know where your ice cream is. I didn't eat your ice cream. Like, I, I mean, but I ate your ice cream. I would eat your everything. And then, like, if you had partially eaten ice cream, I would eat your ice cream, go buy some more, partially eat it, put it back. And before you got home, probably eat it again and go back and get some more, maybe in a different flavor. And, oh, I don't remember this. Yeah, that's the flavor you had. Um, I was just crazy. And I would do anything for the food, anything. And, um, you know, I, when you live like this, and I, I know I've heard this from other people, I, I was just suicidal, like I said. I would go to bed at night and just be like, God, just take me. I can't live like this. Um, and if I got a day, I would get a day every now and then. Um, I think maybe I'd get sometimes five days, depending on, you know, if you're dating someone or something new is going on. You're like, oh, I got this, right? So, um Occasionally, I'd have a string of days, and I still do this now. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, did I binge, did I binge, did I binge? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, I can go back to sleep. I still do that now. And I've, it's been since 2010. Um, so um, it, it, was pretty, um, it was pretty difficult. And then most of the time when I did that wake up, I was like, yeah, you did binge. And then I'm like planning, right? And planning the next day and how the next day is going to go. And um, I think one of the worst things for me was knowing that there was an event coming because I would try to not binge all day and like be good because like food is good and bad. I would try to be good all day and like figure out how much I could eat to safely go out with other people. And um it would cause me so much anxiety if dinner was at 6.30. By 4 o'clock, I'm like, just do it. I would just binge because, like, I couldn't take, like, waiting for that. Um, so, um, and I used to, like, a really wonderful day for me, like, because food was my best friend, was a day that I would go to the grocery store, get food, and I call it the horseshoe. And I would, like, horseshoe it around my body. We didn't have the Internet then, which I, I can't imagine if I had the Internet because I'd just be, like, 
binging in on the internet, but I'd ha- I'd horseshoe it, and I'd have the TV on, and I would just eat around the horseshoe until I couldn't eat anymore, and then I'd go vomit, and then I would go eat more around the horseshoe, and then I'd vomit, and then I, I would just do this until, like, I'd pass out. So what's amazing to me is that I was able to finish school and that I was able to function in a job. Um, and function in a job was, um, I've, I always did my job, you know, what I was supposed to do, but I was not someone I would want to work with. Um, I, was, I was super reliable, but I was crazy. And I, um, you know, just, I was super selfish and just a victim, and I just thought, these people have no idea what I'm going through. I thought that my eating disorder was a result of everybody else, including my parents, um, not my parent, I would just say my mom, um, or people around me, or society. Like, I just thought I had, was dealt this really bad deck of cards, and like, this is just the way it's going to be. Um, um, so that's what it was like. I'm just trying to think of if there was anything else, like, um, uh, that I can remember that I used to do. Um, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of all that I used to do. Um, I was extremely difficult to be around. And as an example, my dad passed away in 2010. I had stopped binging and purging. Had I not, I guarantee I would have done it on his funeral and not shown up. There was no event that was more important or that I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop doing this. Like, there was nothing. Like, now people would be like, couldn't you just get it together for this? No. I would not have been able to get it together. Um, and my response to that would have been, these people don't understand. Like, I want to die. I, I mean, I can't help it. Like, I want to die. But no one knew why I was canceling and doing stuff like that. Um, I did have a family member that knew, and I think there's was and is a lot of resentment about that. But um, it got to the point, this family member would bring me food, right? You know how you can't tolerate sometimes an alcoholic, so you might, like, give them a beer to tolerate them? She would bring me, like, Taco Bell, knowing what I'm going to do with it. But just, like, this is the only thing that makes this woman happy is some food. And um, so I remember that. I'm like, that's weird. You know what I'm going to do, but. And I'd always act like I'm not going to, right? And I'd be like, oh, thank you. And and then I'd, like, disappear somewhere. Um, but there were multiple events of important things of people in my life that um, that I missed because of this. Um, so I think I'll move on to what happened, and it's not, um, it's not some amazing OA story of what happened. So I like cake, and I used to, (laughs) I used to go to Vons, and, um, they have these delicious sheet cakes, and I would go in, they'd sell like a square, right? And I would go in, and I will never forget this woman, I'd go in there and I'd be like, 
I think I want cake, but can I try it? And one day she was like, you know what it tastes like. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not supposed to cuss on here, but I was like, mm. um, so anyway, yeah, I, I couldn't believe she said that. And, but I still was like, well, I just want to try it again. I mean, of course I just wanted to try it again. But um, so I would try, apparently I would try their cakes a lot. And <laughs> then I'd buy like these little squares. Well, one day, and it was January, um, uh, January 2nd of 2008, I bought a sheet cake and, um, from Vaughn's. And um, it's not a plug for Vaughn's, but it was delicious. And I... <laughs> was eating the cake, and I don't know, like, most people don't order sheet cakes, but a sheet cake is like, it's a big cake, right? It's like the size of my torso. And so I'm sitting in my little tiny apartment eating this sheet cake with complete plans to go and vomit this. So I'm, uh, I, I don't remember how much of it I ate, pretty much nearly the whole thing. And I go in the bathroom to vomit, and I get over the toilet, I get in position, I get my tools, I get my band-aids and all my shit together, excuse me, and I go to vomit and like nothing's coming out. And I'm like, hmm, that's strange. Some more water and, um, you know, for those that are bulimic and I'm not here to give people ideas, but you know, like there are things you can do that, that kind of helps. I'm like getting some water, maybe it needs help coming out. And so I, I'm drinking more water, getting more full and I'm like feeling like, um, What's that guy, the Michelin man, that balloon? I'm feeling like that. I'm, like, barely making it over to the bathroom, and I'm, like, over the toilet. And I'm sorry for those of you who can't see me, but um, I'm, like, trying to, to like, do my thing, and I couldn't. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Like, there's a sheet cake in this body. And, um, and a pond. Like, I drank a lot of water. So then I'm like, well, maybe I should try some bubbly water, you know, you know where this is going. So I drank some bubbly water, and I can't burp. And I'm like, do you know, I don't know if you guys know that feeling when you can't burp. It's like something stuck. So I'm like, I'm like trying to burp. I can't burp. And it's like nine at night. So what do I do? What would you guys do? I called my landlord. <laughs> And he came. I was like, I won't say his name, but I was like, I have an emergency. <laughs> he came, and he came over. Like, we were friendly. Um, he didn't live there, so he had to drive over. He lived in Santa Monica, like, two miles. And he's comes, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I hit a sheet cake, and it's stuck. <laughs> And he's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Do we call 911? It's got to come out. And he's like, well, I don't, I'm like, I tried to throw it up. And he's like, this is weird. Like, who does this? Like, he didn't know I was bulimic. But so he's like, should we sit? And I was like, okay. So we sat. I had to sit that sheet cake and that bubbly water and that water out, you guys. And I have never been so scared in my entire life. And I will never forget that feeling. Like, it wasn't, 
even like the calories and the fact that I ate a sheet cake, but like the discomfort of like having that much food in my body and water and bubbles and you can't, but like, I, you know that not burp feeling? You're just like, I don't know. Um, and I remember asking him, like, should we call 911? And I mean, looking back, he must have been like, she is nuts. I can't even believe he came over. And I, I mean, when I think about it, but like now, like, I would still be scared. There was like a sheet cake in me. So um, that is the last time I vomited. I have not vomited even when I'm sick since January 2nd of 2008. And so I say this is not like some amazing OA story, but that scared me to death. I'm like, I'm not eating sheet cakes anymore. I'm not, like, I'm not eating to that extent because I'm not vomiting. Um, so I never tried again, and I'm terrified of vomiting. And I know that I may get sick and vomit, but I, I'm i like, my vomitor doesn't work anymore. So, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm worried, like, that I won't be able to. So... Um, what I did from there is um, I would still binge, but just not a lot, and I would have a talk with myself like, okay, if you binge, you have to keep it. But I wasn't in a program, and my life was completely out of control because at that point, I had a couple foods that I enjoyed eating, and I ate them all day, every day. So I had, like, safe foods. One of them was rice. I love rice. And I would eat rice all day, and I would eat frozen yogurt all day. And I, I had, like, a few foods that I would eat, but then I became, like, I, I don't even know what you call it. Um, I would still binge, though. I hadn't lost that desire to be full, just not as full as the sheet cake. And uh, so I, um, I still would get, like, these compulsions to eat out of nowhere. And um, I was still stealing food, and um, I was still binging, but I wasn't vomiting. Like, I was – my fear was – and as irrational as this might be, I took it because I'm like, this is, this is going to be good for me is what if I can't throw up? So I don't want to try again because I don't want to feel like I can't. So I just I just didn't try. So that's the last time I purged. Um, I would still binge. My eating was out of control. My eating was really weird. Um, and I was still canceling things because I didn't feel safe going to restaurants, stuff like that. Um, so um, I found Overeaters Anonymous on the Internet because I knew I had a binge eating disorder. And... Um, I still remember the first meeting I went to was Culver City in a basement. It was cold. It was moldy. There were a lot of, um, it wasn't a super strong meeting. But um, I sat there among these people, and I was not overweight. And a lot of people in that room were overweight. And I remember um, them reading that list, are you a compulsive overeater? And I was like, I eat out of the garbage, I eat frozen food, I eat burned food, I, I mean, I was just like, me, I, I was just like, I couldn't believe it, like, people were saying what the things that I was doing, I'd never met people that did this kind of stuff before, and um, they're like, does anyone want to share, I was like, I want to share, and so 
I was too embarrassed, um, and I don't know if um, any anorexists or bulimics relate to this, but I felt like I had to let you guys know that I really had a problem in order for you to believe it because my weight didn't look like it. I was normal weight. So I was like, yeah, you know, I used to be really overweight, and then I'd lose like 30 pounds, and then I'd gain it back, and, you know, I just lied because I wanted to, like, make sure that I could stay in this group and everyone, you know, because I, I knew I had this problem even though my body didn't look like it. And, um, you know, everyone's like, keep coming back. And then I went the next week, and um, and this woman spoke who was anorexic. And I, like, followed her out, went to her next meeting, and asked her to be my sponsor. Um, and then I was just like, oh, my gosh, I found it. And then they started talking about the 12 steps, and I was like, yes, yes, like anything, you guys. I I wasn't purging, but I was so I was still completely out of my mind. I was still binging. I still was just a terror. I mean, in relationships, in just just everything. My life was completely unmanageable. Um, and so she started sponsoring me, and I would um, call her every day, and I would send her my food, and then we started working the steps, and. Um, you know, we worked on my weird food habits, and we made, at first I was like, well, how about my abstinence, no purging? Well, I, had, I wasn't going to purge. Um, I hadn't purged since 2008, and so, and I came to OA in 2010. Um, so that's, like, not a good abstinence, right, because I'm not doing that. And um, so um, we, we started some things, like some of the foods that I was eating a lot of, or things like, you know, cakes, stuff like that. Um, so it took me a while to get abstinent because I would put these things on and then, like, two days later, not know how I could live life without them. And there was a food that I would eat all day, every day, dream about it. When I would go out of town, I would look up where I could buy this food, call up, find out what their hours are so when I'm landing, I can get this food. Like, I was obsessed with a certain food. And... Now I don't even think of that food. I don't, I don't look at that food. I'm not interested in that food. But I was like, I don't think I'll ever get over eating this food. And we put it on my abstinence multiple times. Finally, we took it off, and, and eventually it, it was just lifted for me. So my abstinence right now is no binging, no purging. And the way that I define no binging is no binging. Like, I, my dog eats out of a, out of a maze, because she, like, doesn't breathe when she eats. So if I'm not breathing, I'm binging, right? Um, and, like, when she does it, I'm just like, oh, God, I can't watch it. Stop. Stop eating. Like, and I can't, right? Because when you see something in someone else, even my dog, when my dog eats, I'm like, you're eating like an animal. <laughs> um, but, like, then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's because I do that. So... No binging for me is, like, not eating like an animal. And um, and I know when I'm binging, um, and I tend not to, not to binge. I'm not really interested in binging. I'm not interested in purging. Um, and um, so I'll, I'll, um, that's what happened and what it's like now. I have a new sponsor. Um, I had moved to New York. I worked away in New York, moved back to L.A., had a sponsor in L.A. and went back to my sponsor who's in New York. So what I do um, now is I read um, 
the um, a vision for you and the that little white book. I don't remember the name of it. Um, I read for today. Um, I meditate for one minute. That um, Hey Google times me every morning. And um, I do a little writing, and sometimes, frequently, most days, almost every day, it's one sentence. And then I do a daily 10th step with a 10th step. 10th step buddy. I call my sponsor every day and at least leave a voicemail and then we talk when I need to and I'm working the steps. I'm stuck on step four right now. Um, I've worked the steps more than once but I'm working them again. I'm going to continually work the steps for life. I'm coming to OA for life people because this program saved my life. So what my life looks like now is I have some sanity. I have some awareness. When people, when I do weird things and people look at me like I'm like, oh, maybe I'm doing something weird. When I get told multiple times the same word to describe my behavior, I'm like, oh, that might be me. So what this program is giving me is some awareness. You know, I've been told certain things, and I'm not like, uh-uh, not me. That's not me. I'm like, oh, wow, I've heard that before. And I, I, try, to, um, I try to live my life, you know, paying attention. Um, I know that there is nothing in my life that can come up that, is not going to be okay. I've seen people in these rooms get over everything, right? And so I know that there's a solution. I know that we have the um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that can help me through anything. I know that I have fellows. I don't have family, and um, and sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't have family. I feel so bad. I want to die. I still do that. Like I'm not perfect. Um, I'm super far from perfect. Um, but And I still have these behaviors, and people remind me, reroute me, well, you have fellows, you know, you can go to a meeting. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I'm tired. So, you know, I, I know that there's a solution for, like, everything that comes up. It's just based on my effort. Like, I have choices. And um, so that's what I do every day. I, I am working with a sponsor. I do sponsor. Um... And I live a super imperfect life, but I have a super good life, like, beyond my wildest dreams. Um, you know, I'm, I'm single right now, and I think, like, oh, I wish I was with someone. And I just remember, like, 10 years ago, I used to pray longer than 10 years ago, let's say 15. God, just let me stop binging and purging. I don't need anything else. Remember those pro- things we asked for, like... If I could just stop X, Y, and Z, I don't need anything else. And so I remind myself of the hell that I used to live from that. And, you know, when I see newcomers or other people struggling with bulimia, I know there's nothing I can tell them. It's the experience. It's working the steps, and it's the willingness. Because I screwed up a lot of parts of my body um, because of bulimia. Like, it's not benign, people. It's not, the compulsive overeating is not benign, the anorexia is not benign, benign, the bulimia is not benign, like, stuff happens to your body, and when you get to, I'm 48 now, like, I have problems, and it's because of that, and, um, you know, I, I think, oh, maybe I could tell a newcomer that I used to, and then I'm like, no, because you could have told me anything, you could have been like, you know what, you're going to die, and I'd be like, game on, you know, I want to die, can't you tell, that's what I'm trying to do, so, um, so I share this in meetings a lot. I will never leave Overeaters Anonymous because this program saved my life. These rooms saved my life. I have a place to go every day. I have fellows to call every day. I have work to do every day if I choose to do it. So I'm going to close this. If you guys have questions, I don't know if there's many. Yep. 
about like the spiritual awakening or like how your concept has changed with uh, higher power? Yeah. So the question is um, spiritual awakening or how my concept of higher power has changed since I've been in program. Um, so it's really everything. You know, I try to think of that annoying thing that sponsors say, where's God? So, like, if anything <laughs> if anything happens, you know, I try to remember, where's God in this? And, um, and so I just know, like, moving through anything um, that, you know, I can, I can ask for God. And so I just, God is, God, however you choose to define God, I have my way of defining God. God is my everything. Just everything. Like, God has, you know, my life because, um, and that allows me to get through anything. Anything that happens, I'm like, okay, well, there's God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about your daily routine? Yeah, sure. So my daily routine... um, I get up super early in the morning, and I read my two readings, which take me, I'm just saying this because I don't take a super long time, like it's pretty doable. Uh, I read my two books, The Voice of Recovery and The For Today, and then um, I might read something from another program. I do some writing, and I do my little meditation, and then um, I go about my day. Yep. One minute. Oh, any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about what you do when you feel like the obsession is returning? Yeah. So what do I do when the obsession is returning? I text someone. I call someone. And, um, you know, the obsession was returning last week. Like, I've gained weight recently, and I just texted someone. I'm like, I feel fat, but fat's not a feeling. And, like, when we typically we text back, and, you know, everyone feels the same way, right? Or people always have the right thing to say. And so great we have these texts now. You could be at work and just text people from OA. And so um, that's what I do. I reach out to fellows um, if I want to stop it, okay? There's sometimes I enjoy the obsession a little bit and I let it go for a little while. But if I want to stop it, I text someone, I do some writing. Yeah. Okay. I think we're done. Yeah.